That's good. Um, so we're live. Um, <laughs> We've just got this our first LBC slot. <laughs> we're live. Well, we actually live. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I thought I'd try and catch you doing your warm up. <laughs> did, did you get a bit there? Yeah. Just got the end there. Yeah, there was some there was a, some weirder shit before that. Yeah, that. shit. Sorry about that. Um, that's unpre- I'm not even prepped. That's fine. Let's okay. go. Let's go. Um, so, I'm Henry. I'm Alex. Um, and this is Commons Commotion. Basically, we're just talking about what's happened um, in UK politics in the past week. Although we did our last show on uh, Wednesday, I think it was Tuesday. Tuesday. So we've only got like a half segment. We're doing a, a quick little half hour because Alex is still in his dressing gown. Etc. I know. Sorry, that is that is a bit of a ra- raunchy imagery. For, yeah. Uh, Dressing his... gown. He's got it splayed open, and he's got nothing underneath. It's all sack, no crack. <laughs> you know that kind of hanging braid. <laughs> hanging braid to the extreme. Um, so, what are we talking about this week, mate? Uh, well, we're talking about the whole own Patterson, uh, own Patterson thing. I'm really excited to talk about this. I've got some really strong views on this. Uh, I know that you're staunchly uh, for him. Um, <laughs> he looks around. Uh, talk about the new COVID drug. Yeah. And also we can talk about playing poo sticks. Okay. Yeah, yeah. You know? Oh, yes. Yeah, the whole sewage thing. Yeah. Playing poo sticks. Which I know has sort of been and gone, but it will be coming back because... Um, well, we'll get into that a bit later. Okay. Cool, um, do do you want to start with the big one? Yeah. I... <clears throat> I'd probably say the big one is the Owen Patterson thing. Um, it hasn't gone down particularly well. Um, should I just explain? Should I just explain what happened for anyone that doesn't yeah. know what happened? Yeah, so, please. Owen Patterson um, essentially. Uh, okay, firstly, before we properly start, if I say essentially again, just poke me right in the eye because I've been I'm saying like, essentially so much, right? So that okay, good. So Owen Patterson. Um, is an MP um, who Tory also MP. has a Tory MP who also um, does uh, is employed by uh, a number of to do lobbying for a couple of firms, and he gets paid a hundred thousand pounds per year to lobby for those firms. Um, however, you can't you can't then go and lobby the government at using your position as an MP to lobby the government based on a salary taken from an outside source, which is exactly what he did on several occasions. I think it was proven to be, by the Standards Committee, to be about three or four times that he basically lobbied for these companies. Um, he was rightly found uh, guilty by the Standards Committee, um, who recommended that he be suspended for 30 days. Uh, the government decided they didn't like that very much, um, and all the MPs who voted... Um, to basically, what happened then, the government basically said, what we want to do is, we want to remove the Standards Committee, reform it completely, so that this can't happen again. Just conveniently rolling in the Owen Patterson thing at the same time, so it meant that he wouldn't be suspended as well. Um, it actually, it passed, because the Tories decided to whip, three-line three three whip, whip yeah. to, to make sure that it went through. Um and then rightly be the outrage of people saying, hold on, this is essentially just corruption. That's all it is. You're just basically protecting your mates and, and trying to make it easier for you. The very next morning, Jacob Rees-Mogg had to row back on that and say, oh, sorry about that. Maybe we should look into it a bit more. But I think this story just keeps rolling on. Like, it's still headline news today. And this is like three or four days later. 
Yeah, uh, you're absolutely right. And um, there's there's a couple of things that's, that's really interesting in this. Um, there's obviously the, the whole um, sort of uh, issue of the government trying to reform a committee uh, based on uh, the, one of the, you know, a decision they've made uh, about an MP to suspend uh, one of their MPs, which would lead, then lead to a potentially a recall and um, a, a by-election. Um, but also, it's also the, how this came about. Apparently, you know, it was um, some hardline Brexiteers like Jacob Rees-Mogg um, and, and other sort of toy grandees that were like got together and decided to do this. Um, so it really does run deeper. And, and I, I re- read today that, you know, the opposition are calling for Jacob Rees-Mogg to consider his position because it was mainly him pushing this, like trying to save his friends. So, you know, the whole... So the fact that they've tried to change the law to save one of their own is outrageous, first of all. But second of all, you know, the fact that it, the people driving this are it basically his mates is even more worrying. Yeah, and I think, I think it's completely sort of contemptible, really. I don't see how... I think it's pretty insane that they thought that they would get away with it. I think it's like even even the idea that they would go through and not be massive headline news when it's so blatantly, you know, cronyism and and, and corruption to a point is that shows how far gone that how how much stuff they've been able to put through previously without much fuss being kicked up mm. and they've just stepped too far this time. And I'm really glad that Labour are I think getting the messaging right at least um, because I was the day after it happened they were using the term sleaze quite a lot to sort of mention this and, and say that oh, you know, it's classic government sleaze etc um, but it's so much more than that and I don't think sleaze is actually too, enough of a, a word I think it, it needs to be more it, it hard hitting exactly it needs to be stronger and, and the fact that Keir Starmer has now come out yesterday and said that it was just corruption is 100% correct mm. And that actually cuts a lot deeper. And it goes from Boris being a lovable idiot who, you know, is a bit, cro- you know, has his cronies and that stuff, to actually this has stepped over the line now. And all this is is just blatant corruption at this point. Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, absolutely. And it's interesting. I was, um, I had brunch on Friday and I, I brought up the podcast with a little bit of chat because I haven't seen them in a while. And, uh, I said, I said, they said, what are you going to be talking about uh, on Sunday? And I said, oh, you heard about that MP, um, uh, tr- you know, trying to get out of it. And they, 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 they knew what was going on. They're not p- so politically aware as, as we are, but they knew what was going on. It was cutting through to them. They were like, they were quite furious. They were like, you know, it's just, ah, oh, it's just looking after their own and stuff. And I think that's, that's, you know, the fact that people, lay people, people not, necessarily so tapped into what's going on in politics that's cutting through with them so Labour needs to push through with that also I think it's interesting that um, I think Tory MPs are getting pretty fed up of being really pushed to vote for things that the government are you know um, painting as so so important right they're, they're like you've got to vote for this uh, this is a complete and utter government policy it's a three line whip and then you turning on it uh, yeah. I mean, the Guardian they did a they, they did a um, an article, and I I didn't read all of them because there were so many of the main U turns of, of Boris Johnson's government since he's come in two thousand nineteen. Thirty two, I counted. That's pretty. Yeah, that's pretty damning. And also, what they'll do as well is 
um, Quasi Quarteng, obviously the business secretary, they use him quite a lot to lead news, um, especially because business is you know, really important to this government. So he, I think he does like doing like a lot of media talking, and they normally send him out in the morning um, to defend or or explain a policy that, that has gone through the previous night. And it's I I saw somewhere that it was like it's three times this month where they sent him out in the morning to defend a position. And then by the afternoon, they've U-turned on it. And he's just like, well, I just look like an idiot. Because they're making him defend a point which he probably he doesn't even agree with. Yeah. And then the next day, being like, oh, sorry about that, quasi mate. Like, no. Oh. Terrible. It just... It's just... Un- yeah, begs belief. And of course, this, you know, apparently uh, reading about uh, how Owen Patterson discovered about the U-turn. Did you read about this? Apparently, he found out in a supermarket when a journalist came up to him and said, have you heard about this? Yeah. Um, so, you know, Owen Patterson's literally been, you know, they've been, yeah, they've, they've rallied around him, protective ring around care homes, pretty much how they did that. Sarcasm. Sarcasm. Yeah, okay. Um, protective ring around him. And then they've actually gone, ah, do you know what? It's not so worth Well, apparently they did that though because he just, to be honest, he seems like a right piece of work. He, what did he say? He, they, um, he, 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 he had an interview. The, he had the interview the night before, um, talking about uh, his suspension and all this sort of stuff. And he was like, "No, I'd, I'd do it again. I'd do it all over again in a heartbeat. I feel like I did the right thing." And apparently, that was the thing that made the government go, "You're indefensible, mate. We can't. We can't. You, you got to at least be contrite about this if we're going to get you off the hook." So um, yeah, he hasn't really helped himself in that way. Um, but yeah, I think this, I hope this does rumble on a bit further, and I hope what I hope to see is that the government will continue to make these sorts of blunders, really, and, and see what Labour can do about you know working on um, chipping away at their support in that in that area as well. Mm, I, I, actually, I think the opposition parties were quite clever in terms of what they did. So obviously, there was a vote to on whether to get rid of this committee and, and do and um, create a new one, uh, and the opposition party says no, we're going to boycott it. So their original plan was to have a a Tory majority um, uh, on the committee, on the panel, uh, with a Tory chair. And um, obviously, like, if the opposition parties said to them, well, no, we're not going to take part, it's just going to be a completely Tory Tory committee, it would have looked even more corrupt. Um, And I think that was quite clever from them, um, because they really, they probably played a part in forcing their hand there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and also, I, I think it's very telling of how different this Tory government is from past ones, um, with John Major being interviewed on uh, Radio 4, um, talking about, you know, b- being pretty much appalled. And he, he says, he, you know, he sort of let on to the fact that he might actually be considering whether to vote Conservative at the next next um, election, which is really... That's something coming from an ex-Tory... You, you don't normally get Tories breaking ranks. And, no. and, when, and when, you, when you start to see that happen, you know that they've really like made a mistake. And I think the more hurtful for them is not what Labour's doing or what the public thinks, what their own MPs think about them. Mm. Because they are, a lot of... We talked about it before. A lot of them are pretty on the fence about the way things are going in terms of spending and budget and um, the kind of projects and infrastructure projects they're proposing um, already. So when you're adding on, making them vote for things that they don't like as well and and, and making them, you know, old school Tories look corrupt and looking like part of the old boys club, I think that really could, you know, start 
start chipping away at, at Boris's internal support as mm. well, and he really needs that. And actually, there are um, th- there's lots of articles today. I read one this morning about how you know um, it's the whole article is informed by to- nameless Tory MPs. You know, uh, they're naming they they're not naming, but like they're referencing former Conservative ministers, and they're absolutely ripping. They're, in fact, one of them was quoted saying, "This is in the what, the top ten. This is one of the top ten fuck ups of the of the government." Whatever. No, no, of of, uh, oh, okay. of this government. Yeah. So you you know, you know, former ministers, Tory MPs, backbench MPs, new intake, old 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 intake. They're not impressed. No. And um, you know, just coming back to John Major, he called it unconservative what they were doing. Yeah. So you know, I think this is a really bad, really, really, really bad look. Yeah, we'll see what happens. I, I hope it continues to run for a bit longer, like I said, but. Um... Yeah, I'm never convinced that these things will ever stick long term, but we'll see. I really hope it does. I mean, um, I don't see what. There's not a lot worse, really, than than this, in, in terms of optics of how this looks, in terms of how this can affect them. So, if 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 this doesn't move on to something a bit more serious, then I'm I'm, I'm concerned to see what would. Yeah, and also just whilst we're on the sort of sleaze vein, I read in the Sunday Times uh, last night that um, apparently they've done an investigation, right? Apparently, once you hit three million pounds in donations to the Tory party, did you read this? I saw this. Yeah. yeah. Um, you number one, it seems that the from the analysis, your donations drop off, and number two, it seems within the next year you get offered a peerage. Yeah, I did see that. I saw that. Um, where, where was that originally posted? Sunday Times. It was in it was in the Times. Yeah. That is crazy. Yeah, and that that I think once one one thing like this. Um, like this Owen Patterson thing comes out, then suddenly, if if his own MPs start to lose a bit of faith, and they all start le- sort of leaking their own sort of sleaze things that have been going on as well, so you could see more things like I know this wasn't anything to do with that. I know this was just like a, a Times investigation thing, but you could actually see some more things come out over the next few days about maybe some other dodgy dealings that have happened as well. Yeah. However, I think it's they, they've got. If, if the time, if the papers want to do this right, and if the MPs want to, I do, say do this right in inverted commas here, they better spread it out. Yeah. Because if you do it too much, people it, they're going to just ball it into one one one, one episode. Yeah. They? One episode of sleaze. Um, but yeah, that that is just absolutely corrupt. Yeah. Oh well. It's you know I think we all we all sort of knew this. You know we 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 know that you know ex Tory donors get into high places, but into the Lords. One of our chambers. It's not very much money either. You have to donate, is it? A three million. I'm oh, sorry. I, I'm sorry. I would love three million quid right now. Oh, thanks. Yeah, but I mean, in the grand, for, for, to buy a seat at the House of Lords, and if you say to someone who's worth hundreds of millions or billions, mm. it's only going to cost you three million pounds, they'd be like, right? Yeah, mm. I'll definitely start donating them because that is, you know, that's something that's. It's almost like the highest honour in the land, almost. And the fact you yeah. can buy it from the government for so cheap is ridiculous. It's just yeah. insane. And of course, listening to the radio this morning, like it brings into the question that about Lord's reform. What do you think yeah. about that? Let's let's let's, let's, let's dig. If you actually think about the House of Lords, it, it sounds insane, right? Like if you actually if you were to come at it, if you were to come at like making a democracy from the start, and you'd be like, so basically, you get all these like rich people. Right, and then like when they die, like their, their kids get seats on the House of Lords as Heredit- well. Hereditary peers <laughs> Hereditary are the peers. most mind-boggling, so if, traditional, archaic. It's crazy, eh? So if you Ooh. so if you come at it like that, 
then you think, no, it doesn't, it's stupid, that should never exist. But I do think there should be something that's very similar to the House of Lords, but just without hereditary peers and that kind of thing. There's definitely got to be a check on the... uh, the elected members making legislation. And it should be, what I think it should be is say, say you'd have a similar number of people as lords, but you'd... What, 800? But you'd have, you'd split them into um, expert categories of different things. So you'd have like maybe, I don't know, 40 of the best people from medicine throughout their career. And they get like elected, you know, through their own... Um, through that field essentially and then when the legislation gets approved from the House of Commons it goes to the House of Lords you have all these incredible experts and insanely clever people look at it they can vote on it and and then make decisions that way so sort of like a civil service but Mm -hmm. in the House of Lords but in the House of Lords yeah because obviously the House of Lords has something similar already where if you're like you know really uh, like an incredible person you can get like put up for the House of Lords already but I just think you just remove all the hereditary peers and all that. Yeah, rubbish. I agree. I, I think there definitely needs to be a check on, on elected members making legislation. Um, but I, I, I agree, and I agree, experts. Why not have experts from all fields of all walks of life um, put in there? You know, and, and there's there's some argument about, you know, sort of people's assemblies and, and you know, elected people like that. Um, but you do need experts, and I guess some of them would be lawmakers. So you've got ex-parliamentarians in there, yeah. or current parliamentarians, ex-MPs uh, in there yeah. being made lords who are, you know, like, oh, I can't even think now. Who's a lord? Lord Sainsbury. Lord Sainsbury. <laughs> uh, you know, lots of, you Watch know, out. lots of experience in there. But yeah, you sort sort of need, you need, to, you definitely, 100%, I'm sure you agree with it, we mean yeah. on this, you need to reduce the size. 300 quid a day yeah yeah 800 people is quite a lot um yeah yeah but yeah i think i I agree i think we both both agree that um there definitely needs to be like an upper chamber essentially it needs to be an upper chamber but there needs reform it needs reform i'm not sure it's the most pressing issue ever right now i think it works pretty well it seems to put forward legislation that that i that i kind of seem sensible um but yeah, I'd say yeah, it does need reform overall. Hundred percent needs reform if you can pay three million quid and get yeah, Lord, <laughs> yeah. Lord Alex. Yeah, Love that it. would be good. And just on a also a separate note that comes from this as well, by election, what do we think? Oh yeah. Um, so I'll give you. A couple is he not going to run unopposed? New Tory or no? Unopposed. Oh no, that's only when someone dies, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I think I, I I hope that people in Sir David Amos seat yeah will he'll run unopposed or he or she will run unopposed yeah. so um basically north shropshire is owen patterson's seat mm-hmm. uh been blue since basically the constituencies right. creation his majority just, is insane yeah yeah i'm getting there oh, sorry. i've done my research you're doing it right now <laughs> um so he's got twenty two thousand um majority 62 percent of the vote um, he's got 40 percent majority yep 40 40 <laughs> majority um there is whispers of um the opposition parties fielding an anti-sleaze candidate really okay which apparently happened in um for an MP called Neil Hamilton, who was in, uh, I think, in John Major's government, who was a bit sleazy, a bit corrupt. Forgive us, listeners, me and Henry are in our 
20s, early 20s. <laughs> I'm 26. <laughs> early 20s. Yeah. Uh, and we, we are, that's a little bit out of our... I think I've seen memory. the Louis Theroux documentary. Yeah, yeah. And remember. apparently... He's a bit of character, isn't he? Like a bit odd. I can't comment. Okay. Can't, but apparently a BBC correspondent ran against him as an independent under the anti-sleaze banner oh, and wow. won. Oh. And he served a term. So it could happen. So it can happen. Um, however, I, I think I also read that Labour and Lib Dems weren't going to do that. So... So I guess it's going to be another Tory. Yeah, it'll be a new. It'll be yeah. obviously be a new Tory. The majority is way too big. Mm. Um, but but, what do you think about the sleaze business? What do you mean? Effective voters. What are you talking about? In North Shropshire, do you think it will cut through? Oh, sorry. Yeah, I think it will. I think they obviously the majority will be be cut quite considerably. I would imagine, um, but they'll still win. I think there's a possibility of upset. I don't. I'll bet you a fiver right now. I was going to say, should we do a wager? Should we wager? I'll yeah, fiver. Fiver? Do you want to shake hands on it? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to lose this money, aren't I? Shake hands with me. Okay. Yes. Can you hear Easiest that, Easiest fiver I've ever made, listeners. <laughs> <laughs> Five pounds. Okay. Uh, should we move to something else? Okay, what's next? Uh, go on, you... you uh... Let's do the new COVID drug, because I'm quite, I'm quite excited by right. it. Right, so... There's two new COVID drugs um, produced by two separate companies. One has just got UK approval this week and one got moved from Pfizer's um, trials and it got basically fast-tracked because of how successful the trials were. Didn't even do the final stage because the results were so promising. Um, The one that we approved this week, um, you take uh, take it on day two and on day five after you show symptoms of COVID... And it cuts your risk of hospitalisation and death in half. So that means that's. I mean, cutting the risk of death in half is extremely impressive. But hospitalisation is so important. If we have people, if everyone who gets COVID gets prescribed this medication, half the people are going to be in hospital from COVID than they were at this point last year. And that's not even including the vaccine rollout as well. Well, yeah, and I, I think the really key thing here is that. Um Obviously, this can be like unlike other medications that have been proven to save lives in 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 the context of COVID, such as dexamethasone, which is a corticosteroid which has been around for ages. Um, you give that to someone who's requiring oxygen. Okay. Um, if they're requiring oxygen, and you give them IV dexamethasone, um, you 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 reduce their chance of death by thirty percent. If you give someone who's ventilated yeah. on uh, IV dexamethasone when they have COVID, uh, obviously both when they have COVID, you reduce the, their risk of death by half. So these are really really good, um, really good drugs. Uh, this is a really good drug and treatment for treating COVID when someone's requiring oxygen. But you this cannot give before them before that. This is before that, where you don't even need oxygen. This is just when they're showing precisely. Symptoms. And the thing is, you can give this as a tablet. Yeah, you can give this in the community, which is so important because that is the difference. You and and you know you you can you can keep people away from hospital and give them a better chance um, at, at fighting COVID. And it removes uh, some of the fear as well. I think some yeah. some rightly or wrongly, people are scared of the vaccine for whatever reason. But for that same reason, for some reason, they're not scared of pills. I don't know why that is. But yeah, essentially, that will that will mean that these people. Um, who maybe would be more hesitant to get the vaccine or maybe to seek help would be more willing to take this and sort of reduce their um, their risk in half. And this Pfizer one, which the 
that com- which Pfizer announced a couple of days later, isn't 50%, it's 89% it reduces risk of hospitalisation and death. So if you're coupling that with a vaccine rollout, and anyone who um, is either vulnerable or anything like that, and you can give them this drug as well, <laughs> mate, so, I think we're done. It's done. I would. It's done. Don't. We're I, done. I love your optimism, but please don't speak too soon. Um, and do, do you know how how the drug works? Uh, so yeah, you basically you get it and you eat it, and then it goes into your tum tum. And yeah, then, what happens and then, in your tum tum? And then you digest it all real nice, and yeah. then all the COVID just gets pooped out. Oh, lovely. <laughs> I don't know what. Happens. Absolutely not. Please don't take that from Henry. It's not uh, not very accurate. So apparently, it inhibits one of the enzymes that's. Uh, involved in uh, the re- the replication um, side and reproduction side of the virus, so that's why they want to give it within the first five days okay. of having symptoms or being positive, because it basically keeps the levels of virus in your system low. So and and, and let's make this clear: they're only thinking about giving this drug to people who are at risk of really severe disease. Yeah, that's right. So if you've got uh, if you're uh, got obesity, if you've got um, respiratory conditions. If you got diabetes, diabetes. So a third of the COVID deaths um, that have happened in this country have, have had diabetes. So that diabetes is a real big risk factor. So they're looking to give this drug to to those people with those risk factors, uh, so that they can keep the, the sort of the COVID level or co- the level of COVID disease mild. And the good news is that the UK, I think, combined the. We've already got an order for the Pfizer one, which actually hasn't been approved yet. It does still need to be approved by um, MHRA, um, but um, that should they be had, approved very soon. The Pfizer pill has been, they've applied for... 300,000 courses, I think. Yes, but they've also applied for licensing, because it's not actually licensed yet, no. neither here or the, the US, but they've applied for FDA approval. Yeah, and um, uh, the one that we also approved last week, I think we've got like another three hundred thousand courses. So, like together, it's, it's, I think it's between like six hundred thousand and seven hundred thousand courses, um, and that should more than cover us for the winter uh, in terms of if you're just giving it to people who are at, at risk as, on, um, as well. Uh, and say, it's just yeah. if they get COVID, obviously this winter. And I think we've got a, a future order place for like going forwards past that point as well. Yeah, and I guess you know, re- reading um, in the paper today saying that you know. Apparently, and I know this firsthand as well. You know, the bed occupancy level in hospital NHS hospitals at the moment are, is probably at winter levels, winter pressure levels already. And I just hope there's going to be some sort of break. Which I, I know that the the modelling suggests that we've already hit the 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 most amount of COVID cases, uh, the peak uh, of COVID cases. Um, for, for, is it for this year? Well, the, the I think what you're referring to is the Zoe study, um, which is one of the one of the biggest, basically one of the biggest studies that they that they do, and they seem to think that um, because the virus has now gone through all like school age children um, who are essentially the ones that, who are basically the ones that are unvaccinated or were un- unvaccinated, um, it, it's like, and it hasn't really bled that much into the older age groups who are vaccinated. Um, it shows that um, once, because it's gone through all that group as well, we should have hit now the, the the peak of our infections. It should be a gradual sort of slowdown. And I also saw a graph the other day, and it was it was a very optimistic predict, prediction. But it did say that by December we should be seeing less than ten thousand cases per day. So I think there will be some sort of break. Um, but what's going to happen is that the flu is going to basically 
replace COVID this winter. Well, unfor- unfortunately, for you guys, it's, it's obviously yeah. the risk of a of a dual cri- of a dual crisis. Yeah, um, um, but it's I I did I do think to give uh, the government some credit. I do think that they did the right thing. I do think that re- opening things up um, in the summer and having the fortitude then to hold the line on that and let um, even when cases were rising to to levels where we locked down previously, you know, cases were at 60,000 a day not too long ago and people were calling for lockdown measures and, and this kind of thing. But the government hasn't done that and, and perhaps that will that will help in the winter. I'm not too sure. We'll, we'll wait to see, but it does seem to be working this far. Yeah, well, I think I think history will, will um, be the judge of that. I think, now, come on, mate. I think... Do you not think that was the right decision? That, well, that we made? don't know what's going to happen. If if I go through hell at work, yeah, okay, and we have to go into a lockdown again, that's not going to happen. Yeah, hey, I'm willing to bet again. No, 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 <laughs> not gonna right, right. But hey, I'm just you know, open-mindedness, man. Yeah, and obviously you, you you're still har- you know you have harrowing experiences, whereas I just sit in my room and you know, work on spreadsheets and stuff. So. Different, yes. different strokes for different folks, mate. Um, <laughs> Shall we talk about sewage? I like yeah, that. That's um, fun. I think I'd like to tell the story this time because you've been... Um, I've been waffling you, on. Been, I haven't even been, got any notes been, at all. You've been hogging. I haven't even got notes. You haven't got it's notes just, in this. It's all, uh, it's all bubbling inside it's me. The, off the bat. The excitement of the political chat. Of the of the sewage, of the poo. <laughs> yeah, should we go? So, yeah, poo sticks. So, um, there was legislation uh, that went through the Commons... Uh, which went basically, which required um, require put the requirements on water companies to reveal the data on storm overflows and, and monitor the water quality upstream, downstream from sewage plants. But there's no legal duty on water companies to um, actually reduce raw sewage discharges. Um, so the Duke of Wellington in the the House of Lords he put in an amendment and the Oh, did you did you want to say something? Yeah, so basically I just wanted to say that um, what water companies had to do was they, they basically weren't allowed to release raw sewage into waterways or um, anything like that, and, you know, any sort of public water, unless there had been an emergency. So unless there, there was some critical reason why they needed to do this. However, this is something that apparently wasn't really regulated or ever, ever checked. So all these national water companies have been claiming it was of, I'm doing air quotes, critical uh, use or an emergency to do that thousands of times in a year just because it was much easier for them, it's much cheaper, you can just release the sewage and as long as sort of no one looks looks at you t- too badly then, then it'll be fine. Um, so yeah, anyway, then, then they, the House of Lords try and put an amendment for yeah, that. Yeah, so they, did, they, put in a, they wrote in an am- amendment to put a legal uh, duty on water companies to ban um, this, the dumping of sewage in British waterways. And obviously when this came back to the Commons, this, well, well it was a bit of a shitstorm if you pardon the pun, <laughs> wasn't it? So, you know, Commons, um, the Commons um, voted on it. And the the, the um, social media picked up on it about uh, you know basically MPs being given a choice about whether to vote to allow water companies to uh, dump their their, their, their 
untreated sewage um, into Britain, Britain's waterways. Um, but, you know, what was really interesting is about how strongly people felt about this. Apparently MPs were bombarded with angry letters and outcries from all sections of the media when they did eventually vote it through. Apparently 22 Tory MPs rebe- rebelled against it and defied the whip, including uh, Michael Goh's um, PPS, Parliamentary personal parliamentary secretary and she resigned from government uh, to vote against this um but you know th- and there was a big social media campaign about posting a picture of your mp saying this is my mp or this is the mp for so and so they voted to uh, dump pun the pun dump uh, untreated sewage into into the, the the waterways again it's one of those things where i j- is the government that unself-aware that this is because people really like things that are easy to understand um and and that can be delivered in a quick message as to why the government isn't doing a good job <coughs> apologies the first is obviously this owen patterson thing um it's so easy to see how that is corrupt and so easy for everyone to understand why that is wrong and it's the same with the waterways like no one wants shit in their water no one wants to go for a swim in the river and get ill or have their children be ill because of that or it to be to affect wildlife when i pour myself a glass of water yeah i don't want a little little floater in there no no thanks no but but the reason what so apparently mps were given a a, a basically a um an, an argument against it George Eustace, the, the the environment secretary, gave them the line of um, the fact that it's poor, it was a poorly written amendment, and um, they the, apparently the initial cost estimates would be between 150 and 660 billion pounds, which is more than some com- entire departments combined. Right. Um, so to, the cost estimates do not dump water into waterways. No, to because what they, they would need to do very good point they would need to ch- completely change the Victorian sewage system okay um, and that would cost between 150 and 660 billion right. um, however um, leaked figures from a, a government's own report on this uh, basically estimated that the actual cost of slowly changing over the uh, sewage system and updating it and, and getting around the worst uh, of the problem would cost between 3.9 and 6, 62 billion so that is a massively, you know, at least half of, um, more than half, sorry, of the, the government's own estimate or what they're saying on, on the media. Um, but essentially, they U-turned um, and said they were, they were going to write their own amendment um, and basically write it better, in a better way, um, to put a legal duty on water companies not to discharge into water. And it sort of leads to a, a, a larger issue and, and something that I... Weirdly, I care quite a lot about, which is randomly private. <laughs> yeah, randomly privatizing companies for the sake of it, like privatizing entire industries when there is absolutely no requirement to do so, and just makes those services worse. I mean, there's so many industries that I can think of that have been um, privatized when there's a monopoly in that industry in the first place. So, the reason you would privatize an industry. Is because you want increased competition in the market, which drives innovation, which lowers costs because of that competition. That is why that's how the free market works, and that's mm. why um, capitalism is so successful in so many areas. But if you're privatizing industries like water, energy, rail, things where only one company can operate in that space at one time, that like you can't choose where you 
get your tap water from. You can't choose, you know, what train pulls up on your rail line. Um, then it's completely pointless because all these, all these, com- all these private companies do is try and cut costs as low as possible, and they know that if the standards drop. It's irrelevant because there's no one else there that is going to provide that competition, hold them to account. So, I don't see why water is privatized. You, you, you've got an absolute point, and this is what really gets my goat. Actually, um, you know, so you know, surely if the if the industry is privatized, it, the onus is on those private water companies to upgrade their system. They are providing a service, mm-hmm. and the government are paying the money. <laughs> To provide this service to to provide water to the population of the UK, and what's what's I did a bit of reading about this. Apparently, in the past eleven years, the nine privatised English water companies have paid in total sixteen billion pounds in dividends to its shareholders. Well, that's one point four billion a year on average. Um, so, you know, that that's over the past eleven years. Apparently, since um, they were privatised from nineteen ninety one to uh, to 2018, these figures anyway, they gave away £57 billion in dividends. So, you know, they are, you know, you are pro- you're providing a service, you've got the onus is on you to upgrade those systems to uh, adhere to the law and to ad- and to make sure that you're providing a good service. I'm sorry, it just doesn't, it's, it's, um, yeah, it wouldn't happen with any other private private. Um, no, absolutely platform. not. And you'll find you'll find with these um, private industries when they, when there's no need for them to be privatised, it's often billed as when they've been made private that this will save the government money, this will save taxpayers money, and overall you you'll get the same standard of service. It's not the case at all. It doesn't end up saving money because. Why would these companies invest in any of the infrastructure if they're not actually being forced to? So what ends up happening is the taxpayer eventually has to pay out of their own pocket and these water companies still get payouts from the government, they can still pay their shareholders. If it's all done in a nationalised way, you can still have all these people who are running these water companies work in some sort of civil service role or, or some sort of um, government-backed like water company, but they will get paid less. They won't get paid these huge dividends and, and be looking for profits all the time. And they'll probably do a better job because they'll be held more to account because essentially the people that are holding them to account are no longer their shareholders who want profits, but the British people who just want good water. Mm. I, I think they can't have it both ways, can you? You yeah. can't privatise an industry... And live up to the obligations that that industry provides. So, if if your water system is shit, you need to upgrade it so that you can make profit. And that's what you know a private company would do. That's what a business does. So, yeah, I I think it's it really gets my goat. Yeah, and I, it's just so obvious. I mean, I'm not I'm not someone that thinks that all companies should be state owned or industry should really be state run, but. Um, you just need to have that competition there. You just need to have it where there's no monopoly because that's how people get lazy and that's how companies get lazy because they still want the same amount of profits but they know no one's going to come and, and take you know their market share essentially. Mm. So they continue to run like a similar service as they have done in the past. Um, and yeah... Mm. Um, it, is, it, is, it is a bit annoying and it is a bit sad to be honest. But I mean, coming back to what we're talking about with Owen Patterson as well, it's the same thing in terms of the U-turn. You know, you've got Tory MPs which are being 
really harassed and harangued to vote a certain way when they probably didn't need to. There, there were 22 MPs, Tory MPs, who have rebelled against it. Most of them with coastal constituencies or waterways in their, excuse me, in their um, constituencies. Um, and, and, you know, to think, to, to, to U-turn and to, to embarrass themselves, you know, when, when the government's saying, no, you, you really, I'm no, sorry, 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 mate, mate, excuse me, you've got to vote this way. Always. In fact, I think, some, you know, there was, and I think it's the same for the Owen Patterson thing, funding for their constituency was casually brought up in terms of, oh, you're going to get some funding for your constituency. It'd be a real shame if you didn't get it. Yeah. Like, that is just outrageous. <clears throat> and I, I, I think damn right they've U-turned. Um, I think Tory MPs are really fucked off with uh, being pulled one way, this, that and the other. And I think it's really interesting. Yeah, we'll see what happens as this develops. Mm. News as it happens, folks. Yeah. Do you want tweet of the week? Oh, uh, do I get to do the tweet of the week thing, or, or uh, am I going to ruin uh, it? No, I'll, I'll give you a go. <clears throat> try. No, I'm not. No, try. I'm not. Do it. <clears throat> tweet of the week. How's that? Shit, that was really okay, good. Okay, sorry, I apologise. Really, no, that was really oh. good. Oh, thanks. Uh, do, do you know what? Let's not, let, let's not me ruin this and shit over this yeah. to be to be topical you do it ok thank you it's the tweet of the week I think that's, I, much, that's much better yeah that was strong <coughs> so you, it, you've it. actually got a tweet this week yeah, and you fir- sent it to me and I, lo- I burst out laughing for the first time ever I've, I've actually done a bit of work yeah mm. I've got a tweet of the week this week so, so um, just to tell you how it works you've got to credit the twitter account and then you can do what you want um, the twitter account is at ne shutters Northeast shutters. So, if you need some shutters in the northeast, um, I'd probably say go to these guys because they're. I don't know if they're. It was actually a joke or if he was being serious. I I really hope it was a joke. So, uh, BBC breaking news alert: Entertainer, presenter, and dancer Lionel Blair has died, aged 92. His agent says, "Sad news." Northeast shutters replied, "I just really hope the people of Iraq can forgive him." Poor Lionel. <laughs> Lionel is me. Obviously, Lionel's been mixed up with Tony Blair. There, I just I laughed so hard when I first heard that. <laughs> Lionel's been teared to shreds. He's absolutely hated in the Middle East for what he's done. <laughs> oh, that's that's good so stuff. funny. That's yeah. good. That was tweet of the week. Have we got any more? Any more for any more? No, I, I don't actually have. It's, it was meant to be a shorter podcast. How, yeah. how many minutes are we on? Do you know? Get that up. Get that up. 41 minutes yeah, I think that's fine I think we've done well there for a yeah. few days of uh, not much has really happened So, what, I'm sorry the Owen oh, Patterson yeah, the thing Owen Patterson I was thing. really excited that was good this. actually yeah. what have you got coming up this week uh, well uh, I am I've got some work coming up working okay. a night shift tonight nice um, what are you doing on Sunday this week I've got nothing on well let's, let's do another one then we'll do another nothing one shall we Great. Do, okay. you, do you want to ask what I'm doing this week? Oh, what are you doing this week? Martin? So it's my <laughs> thanks for asking, mate. So it's my last full week at work Ooh. before I tootle off yes. to do nothing. Um, so, so that's can, nice. Do you want to just expand on that? People yeah. won't know about this. Oh, I've explained it previously, haven't I? Oh, I'm, I'm just leaving my job basically. Oh, you're not. Not. Good. They didn't. So yeah, they went into administration, mm. um, and I was really hoping I'd get made redundant. But then they got saved at the eleventh hour, so, I just, so I just quit anyway. <laughs> um, and then I'm going away in January, so I just thought I'd, I'd just have a month month chilling. Excellent. 
I could so do can, I could do all the political all research. The research. I could do tweet of the week. Brilliant. So have you a surprise every week? Yeah. Did you do a surprise this week? Like I asked you to. Um, Twice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's not ready till next week. Bits actually, it's so okay. big. Okay. Oh, it takes me ages to prep this love one. It, love all right. It, okay. Nice love one. Me. So I'll see you next week then. All right then. See you next week. So it's bye from me. Love you, mate. Love you too. Bye. Bye. <laughs>